And everybody else who's remained in the room, I want to invite you to turn your attention to the scripture for this morning, which is Micah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. And we're going to put it on the screen as I read it aloud. You'll probably recognize the last phrase or two. It's made its rounds in our world and our culture, particularly in times of social unrest, justice advocacy. But I invite you to hear all that leads up to it in Micah chapter 6. And when I finish reading it, I'll say this is the word of God for the people of God. And you all respond, thanks be to God, as we affirm that this is God's word for us today. Listen now from Micah 6, verses 1 through 8. Hear what the Lord is saying. Arise, lay out the lawsuit before the mountains. Let the hills hear your voice. Hear, mountains, the lawsuit of the Lord. Hear, eternal foundations of the earth. The Lord has a lawsuit against his people. With Israel, he will argue. My people, why, what did I ever do to you? How have I wearied you? Answer me. I brought you up out of the land of Egypt. I redeemed you from the house of slavery. I sent Moses, Aaron, and Miriam before you. My people, remember what Moab's king Balak had planned and how Balaam, Baor's son, answered him. Remember everything from Shittim to Gilgal that you might learn to recognize the righteous acts of the Lord. With what should I approach the Lord and bow down before God on high? Should I come before him with entirely burnt offerings, with year-old calves? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with many torrents of oil? Should I give my oldest child for my crime, the fruit of my body for the sin of my spirit? He has told you, human one, what is good and what the Lord requires from you to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There's a, um, an insurance company. They're not mine. I don't have their insurance, but I've been uh, in an accident hit by somebody who does have their insurance, so I'm thankful for them. But there's an insurance company that has a series of what I think are humorous commercials on TV right now. Um, they have Flo, and she's done these exchanges with John Hamm. And then they have these commercials about Dr. Rick, about how not to become your parents. I've seen those. But then lately I've seen some uh, where they have different examples of families having an interaction and where they have a disagreement. And one or the other of them says, wait a minute, I'm throwing the challenge flag. And they pull out this red flag beanbag and throw it on the ground. It's, it's a reference to sports, right? Uh, probably most famously football. The fact that 
in professional sports anyway, mostly that uh, there's now you have the ability or coaches have the ability if they if something happened on the field and they think it went the wrong way and the referee didn't deal with it the right way, they can throw the challenge flag. You, you've seen this? Have you watched anything? You've got the Super Bowls coming up. Watch for it. Right. Like uh, they'll they'll pull out their red challenge flag and throw it on the ground as a signal. So wait, stop. We need to have a look at this. And everybody's got an opinion about if that's good or bad for the sport. And if you're watching it or playing it, it can sort of belabor the point and, and you know, slows everything down. And, but really, the, the intent behind it is to get it right, right? And so they have these commercials where somebody, you know, was supposed to pack something and they didn't. They forgot. Or somebody was supposed to close the back door and they didn't. And now the family has a cat. And, or, you know, somebody was supposed to pick up something from the grocery store to cook for dinner, and, and they didn't. And they're not sure who's at fault or who's responsible, and so somebody pulls out the challenge flag. And says, we need to go to the replay. And go back and look and see what actually happened. In this moment, when Micah is writing to the people of Israel, God's people, even though it's thousands of years ago, I, somehow I read in this, I hear in this, Micah, on behalf of God, is pulling out the challenge flag about their relationship and their life together and, and saying, hold on, stop, time out. We need to have a look at this. This didn't go the way that it was supposed to go. This isn't going the way that it was supposed to go. And God says to God's people through the prophet Micah, we need to go to the replay. We need to have a look at how this has been going. And so God, through Micah, in this beautiful piece of poetry that has parties speaking to one another both God and the people of Israel, personified in the first person, how shall I come before the Lord? How will I bow before God? What can I offer? In this poem about this exchange between God and God's people, God throws down the challenge flag and says, let's go to the replay. Don't you remember? Don't you know who I am? Who I have been for you in your life? and in your people's life, in your family's life, in the history of your community? Don't you remember Egypt? I delivered you out of slavery and captivity, and I set you free. Remember? And then I gave you some people to help lead you into freedom. Moses and Aaron, and Miriam, leaders, to be an example for you. Remember? Remember what happened with Balaam and Balak? Man, I, I know I was just bragging about TV commercials, and, and it's great to watch TV shows, but there is nothing more entertaining than the Bible. If you don't know the story of Balaam and Balak and that talking donkey, that is worth looking up and reading. When God reminds them, don't you know, don't you remember, you were destined for ruin. To be wiped out. And I interceded 
by talking through a donkey. Remember, how could you forget that? <laughs> Remember who I've been for you. From Shittim to Gilgal, I need to have to know the story. To know that that is the place where the nation of Israel first set foot in the Jordan River, in Shittim. To cross over into the fullness of the promise that God had given them. And through the waters of the Jordan River, came out on the other side in Gilgal, the promised land. Don't you remember? God says to God's people, oh, that you would pay attention to what I've been for you. Where I've showed up for you, how I've given you life, delivered you, set you free, led you, gave you examples, took you into the promised land. Go back and remember so that you would know who I am. And it's all cast by Micah in this poem as a, as a lawsuit, an argument between God and God's people. Where God says, hold on, we need to go back and look at this. Remember? And then the, the nation of Israel, represented in the first person, responds to God. How will I come before the Lord in light of this? How will I bow before God? We don't do a lot of bowing anymore. It's, it's an interesting position and posture to take of reverence, of submission, of honor. Maybe there are times where you come and bow here at this altar rail. Like next week, we'll be celebrating communion. And I know that that can be a meaningful time when you receive the elements to just stop and go and bow at the rail. Whether it's physical or, or, or mental, the, the idea, how can I... Put myself in that place before the Lord who has been so much for me, who has done all of this. How will I come properly and appropriately before God to honor God and appreciate and be thankful and give my life in response to what God has done? How will I do that? Will I do it with my burnt offering? The examples that Micah gives. Or will I do it with thousands of rams, of flowing rivers of oil? Will I give even my firstborn child to God? How am I going to respond to what God has done in my life and in the world? And immediately Micah envisions God's people, the religious folks, turning to their religion how religious can I possibly be and get in response to what God has done? What can I give or give up? What can I bring? They turn immediately to their practices of faith, to their rituals. <laughs> Matthew Henry says, man is willing to surrender anything rather than his sin. How can I practice my Christianity any more 
What are my acts that I can do to perform faith in front of God in such a way as to meet who God is and has been for me and in my life? And then the response back to the people is, oh, human one, God has shown you what is good and what is appropriate and proper as a response to who God is in your life. And that was to do justice, love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. Augustine said, mercy is the new sacrifice. Now it's true, when you throw down the challenge flag in the game, it slows everything down, it stops everything for a moment, interrupts the flow, maybe makes it uncomfortable. But at its best, there's a reason they do that. Because there are moments and times where you need to throw the flag down and say, hold on, let's have a look at this. And this was a moment in history where God, through the prophet Micah, and it wasn't just Micah, Hosea, Amos, time and time again, God threw the flag down with God's people and said, hold on, we need to take a look at this. Remember who I am. Now, yeah, it'd be better if we never had to throw the flag down, right, in the sport, and it could just flow. The game could just play, and everything would be done right and ruled correctly, and you never had to interrupt it. It'd be great in life if it just flowed and it always went right, and we did it just right, and we never had to stop and have a look and check the replay and consider how we've been doing it and how we might ought to be doing it, how we could do it more, different, better, in line with who God has called and created us to be. It'd be great if we didn't have to do it, but sometimes we do. And God threw down the flag, the challenge flag with the people. He said, don't you know who I am? I've set you free. Is anybody in here can say God has set me free? Is anybody in here joining with the nation of Israel, the people of God down through history, who have experienced what it means for God and for us in light of Jesus Christ to have been set free, to have been given a second chance, to be restored, redeemed, made whole. Is there anybody in here that's why you're here this morning? It's because, dear God, you need a second chance. You need to be set free. You need a fresh lease on life on a relationship, on your place, your purpose. Well, in the presence of God, you are in the right place for that. God says, I've set you free, and I've shown you the way. I've given you examples, and I've delivered you from where you were to where you are, and given you life and fulfilled promises 
in you and through you and for you. People of God, this is a word for us today. You said it. This is the word of God for the people of God. You said thanks be to God. This is a word for us, not just for them. That God has brought you somewhere. Has done something in your life. And how do we respond? God help us that we don't respond by turning to our religion. All the while missing the point of what is being said by Micah. Micah is naming for them God's broken heart because of the systems in their culture and their society that oppress and disadvantage people, that use people and toss them aside, that marginalize and leave people behind. And he's saying to them, how can you live like that with each other? And when you do, the fact that you're going to bring a burnt offering to me or even thousands of rams to me, or even that you would give your child as a sacrifice, you're missing the point. There is something more, something greater, something deeper that is going on here in the world and in life. And for us, we have the advantage of living in the light of the person of Jesus Christ, the embodiment of the divine who came to be that for us, to set us free that we could live into the promises that God has made, not just for us, for me personally, but for all of creation, and that we could do that together, that we could do justice in this world for everyone, especially those who are least likely to receive it, that we could love, love, be merciful with each other and in all of it praise God that we could walk with some humility as we think about ourselves and one another as we live this life together I give thanks to be part of a church that is doing this, doing justice, loving mercy, walking humbly with God. And I want to tell you about some things that this church, you, are either doing or facilitating, help to make happen specifically in that vein that you may not know about. Like, for instance, there's a, a nonprofit ministry that operates in our area called Cross-Cultural Ministries. Their specific reason for existing is to offer educational support, mentorship to students and families for English is not their first language. And our kindergarten collects donations for their ministry every year, especially at Christmas time. The toys that they give to the kids that they work with are collected right here in this room. When the kids come to chapel, they bring their donations to be supporting cross-cultural ministries. Our church hosts a support group for people who have something called myasthenia gravis. It's a neuromuscular disease. It causes pain, makes it difficult to get up and go through the day, and there's no known cure and, and no way to prevent it. It's rare. But our audiovisual director, Alexis Rodriguez, 
has MG and leads a support group here for people who do. And actually has recently uh, gotten notoriety both around the state and around the country for his work to help raise awareness and support for people. And uh, so he's hosting like statewide gatherings and, and national gatherings. And here, you, your church is creating space for that. I just found out about an organization called Awaken Education. They're relatively new, and what they do is they offer uh, social skills, education for kids with special needs. And they do it outdoors. Most of what they do is, is out in creation and nature, and they've been using our property to do this. And when the weather's bad, they come inside. They found us through the preschool they have something called Superhero Club, and it's just a way that they get the kids to sort of interact with each other and learn those social skills. Kids that need a little bit of extra care and support as they're included in schools and, and in our preschool. They, they do that here. That happens here. And we're about to have, uh, to my knowledge, it's the first time we've done this, uh, the AARP offers free tax preparation services, and they're about to start doing that February through tax day here. They're going to use our space on Thursdays and Fridays, our youth room. So the volunteers with the AARP are going to be helping prepare people's taxes for free in our youth room. People who need that kind of support to be able to, to deal with the things that need to be dealt with in life. That's going to happen here. Do you, church... Do you see it? Do you, the glimpses of the justice and mercy and humility that we, you, are expressing together when we have things like that that we support, participate in, or even just facilitate with our space. You're going to get an opportunity to participate today in one of those. We're going to have lunch as soon as I stop talking. And, and then after lunch... Our youth room is already all set up for us all to go in there and pack food that goes in the backpacks that goes home with kids in the local schools who are living in homes that are dealing with food insecurity and don't have enough to eat on the weekends. And so this church is one of the groups in our community that helps pack that food and get it to the schools. And so after we eat lunch, we got a chance to go in there and just spend a minute to pack that food for the next shipment that's going to go out to the schools. This is... This is our response to who God is in us, in our lives, and in our church, and in our world. This is our response. It's, it's, not, it's not about how much we can give. It's not about how much of a show we can put on. It's about how we do justice, and how we love mercy, and how we walk together humbly with God. Yesterday, I asked for the leaders of our church to give me half a day, half of a Saturday. That's a lot. We gathered in the fellowship hall so that we could talk together about what that looks like to follow this way of Jesus that involves justice and mercy and humility and how they could serve as leaders for this church and, and take us in that direction this year. It, it was a wonderful conversation. A lot of getting to know people, uh, a lot of learning about how we do things here at the church, a lot of envisioning what, the, what ministries are going on and how we can facilitate those and breathe life into them and, and how we can grow our church deep 
and wide. We even sang. And so what I asked them to do was to be here this morning so that we could all pray for them. So I want to ask that any of those folks that are giving leadership to this church, you were in that meeting yesterday or invited and some folks couldn't make it, I'm just going to ask you to stand right where you are and we're going to pray for them as we finish our time of worship before we sing one more song to leave and go down to eat. And these are the folks that give leadership in our church in the areas of missions and children's ministry and youth ministry and finance and facilities and staffing. There's so many ways that they are leading us to be in ministry together with each other, for each other, for Shambly and for the world. And they're doing this out of their love of God and their love for you as the church and their love of neighbor. And so I want to ask that we would cover them in prayer this year, but especially together right now this morning. Would you join me as we pray? Thank you, God, for calling people in our church to lead us as we seek to follow Christ in service to you and to the world. We pray now for our church leaders and ask you to bless them this year as they do. We pray that new lay leadership will answer your call in their lives. God, guide the leadership teams of our church to seek out your wisdom Teach them how to work together and support one another. Give them the courage to respond to your will for the church. Grant them the desire to sharpen their leadership skills and help them be good listeners. God, may we all strive together for excellence in all things we do. Help our leaders balance time between service to the church, to family, to work, and to spiritual fulfillment. Show them how to share their knowledge, experience, gifts, and graces with us. Oh God, give youth a voice and a place in our church leadership. Remind us all of your calling on all our lives to be ministers of the good news in places and situations outside the church building. God, we pray that you continue to call and raise up among us for years to come leaders who follow Christ. May our church grow, not only in numbers, but in love for you, in love for others, and in good works. We pray that our mission of making disciples for Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world guides every decision. And that our church will do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with you every step of the way. In the name of Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.